What's shaking podcast world chat building back at you another episode of this life ain't for everybody I have to say thank you all so much for the subscriptions our audience has grown so much in just 18 months it's truly humbling I honestly feel it's the diversity and guests and topics that we get to cover and we uh, we've been on this music kick for a while and speaking of music we are in a partnership with our presenting sponsor today from the one and only Lynchburg Tennessee one of the most iconic brands in the history of the world in my humble opinion Jack Daniels Sour Mac whiskey. I don't know how many good times I've had on Jack Daniels. Always enjoy it responsibly, always in moderation, never allow underage drinking. But whether you just got dumped or whether you just want a Grammy, Jack Daniels is there for you. We love it around a campfire. And most of all, we love how Jack Daniels supports conservation and the outdoors and our lifestyle of being the provider living off the land. And we will never apologize for that. But when we are around that campfire... And we have that Jack Daniels mixed with a little Coke, maybe, or on the rocks. We'd love to have music. My guests today are absolute badasses, in my opinion. I would describe them as a, uh, I don't know, they're just like a Southern rock band mixed with a little, I don't know, like a, and they might correct me on this, but uh, some like John Mayer artistic flow of musicianship, like the guitars, the riffs, the drum beats, the percussion, the vocals, the lyrics, everything flows so well. And it's absolutely like just chilling out in a swimming pool and listening to the lyrics of these guys' songs and the way that they put it all together. They are called the Vagabonds. I have the lead singer, Daniel, today. I have the drummer, Brian, today. And I'm telling you guys, I appreciate you being here. And I, uh, my main goal today for our audience is to let them know that there is still really, really strong rock, country, blues, southern rock, badass music out there, and the Vagabonds are kicking some ass with it. Congratulations, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks, man. Daniel, um, when you when you hear that description, is it kind of is it is it kind of cool because John Mayer to me is like a like the way he puts music together is on a different level. But to me, you guys are doing the same thing. It's not simple. I don't know if you guys would consider it complex, but when I listen to your opening riffs and how the songs flow and how everything is together, is it a, compl- a complex way of music or would, it, would you just look at it like, ah, it's what we've been doing our whole lives and it's simple to us, like riding a bike. To me, it sounds complex. Is that fair to say, Daniel? I think it's fair to say. Um, we there's a lot of songs thrown out between our band. Um, I write a lot of songs and Richard, our guitar player writes a lot of music. And so it is Bo, our keyboard player. So, you know, I'll bring in a song and maybe the music that I have is, uh, not what everybody, you know, it, it really doesn't fit with the band because I'm more of a singer songwriter when I'm writing by myself. Right. I'm just writing the lyrics. I'm just structuring out a song. And, uh, Bo and Richard kind of dive more into the musical aspect of it. That's where you hear all the riffs, the guitar riffs. Uh, Maybe it's something that Richard had in his back pocket. And there's been many songs, especially with the record that we're writing right now, where uh, Bo would come in on keyboard and be like, Hey, I got this part. And he starts playing the keyboards and, you know, I start catching the groove of it and I'm like, perfect, man. I have the perfect lyrics for that. I have the song already structured out. As long as you can have a verse written and a chorus written, maybe a pre-chorus, whatever, uh, we have a song. And same thing goes with Rich. He's done the same thing with his guitar riffs. Um, 
one of the first songs we put out for this record was called Colorado Evergreen. And uh, we came into the practice room one day and he starts just playing that heavy riff that you hear at the beginning. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I had the perfect <laughs> lyrics for this is like Colorado Evergreen fits perfect with that, you know? So I, I assume so that, you're talking about the mountains, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, were, right. we were, we were, yeah, going, we were going to Colorado too. So it just kind of, kind of worked out perfectly. Yeah. We, but we, I mean, there's, there's a couple of different formulas we use. Uh, you know, it, it all varies from song to song because like I said, there's been songs that I've brought in and everybody digs the music and the lyrics right off the bat and everybody just kind of falls into a groove. There's also been songs that I've presented to the band and it's like, oh, we're not really feeling that right now. So I'll just keep it in my back pocket because I like the lyrics. And then eventually the music's going to come and I'll just throw the lyrics on top of the right music. So let me let me see if I can get this to go at all right now. Okay, so you say that the guitar riff comes into the studio and he says, this is what I got. You're like, man, I can put perfect lyrics on top of that. When, when the percussion comes in, Brian and the bassist and all of this comes into effect, wouldn't that be the foundation of the song of, of how it starts? But you're saying that it's the opposite where your keyboard and your rhythm or your lead guitarist comes in and then the lyrics go on top of that and then you add the percussion? Uh, it's, more, it's more like we're all in the room together. And take Colorado Evergreen, for example, Rich starts playing the lyric. I mean, the uh, guitar riff, Brian usually falls right in with Rich at that point. So it's like guitar and drums are going. That's the groove. Then Paul will fall in with Brian and then Bode does his wizardry on uh, the keyboards. And then I had the lyrics over the top. So it's all kind of like a mesh at once. And, you know, if it comes together, usually we can, we know it's a good song when we all just start grooving together fairly quick on, on the song. And yeah, we've, you know, it, okay. it's, it, I'll expand on that. I mean, it's, it's truly, you know, I think easier for it. We've been playing together for almost 12 years now, me, Danny, Rich and Paul. So it's, it's really easy. Like I know, you know, I know when, Danny sings a lyric. I'm like, that's great. Like, let's go with that. Like, it's easy to expand on it, especially when you hear a great guitar riff or a piano riff and you're like, okay, let's run with that. Let's, let's do some of that. And when you, when you break down your guys's albums, like the, the V album or the five album, um, it could be a lot of the riffs could be like lengthened in my opinion. Cause I love them so much. I get into them. Is there a jam band, feeling with the vagabonds um like when you go to a zach brown concert and you watch zbb it can be labeled everything from a rock band to a country band to a cover band to a jam band to a southern rock band and i get that same feeling from you guys because of the passion of the lyrics how well written the lyrics are like i keep going back to this one song that that when i fell in love with the vagabonds was this song called shaky hands like i don't know if there's a better song to wake up to i don't know if that shouldn't be everybody's alarm clock song 
song because when that hits, I'm just like, man, this life is awesome. Like, just don't have shaky hands today. Just get up and kick some ass. Kind of. That's how it makes me feel. I'm not saying that it's the Rocky Balboa Eye of the Tiger Survivor feeling. I'm saying like I'm grooving, and it just makes me want to put my feet on the dirt and go to work and sh- and just live. And that's that's what I, I was taught. I was talking with several musicians lately about what lyrics do and how they pull you into a song and what music is meant to do for a person. And that's what the Vagabonds are doing. So back to my original statement that got long winded is, is there a jam band feeling that you guys, when you're live, do you just go into this, you, you feel it in the crowd and you're just like, let's just rip their faces off right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not every song, like when we first started, we were playing college, uh, like college markets, frat parties, sorority parties, uh, and just all around college bars period in the Southeast. And we were a jam band. We had a six piece band, two guitars, a keyboardist. And, uh, that's what we did, man. We would go play these four hour parties and you have to jam to fill up space. And that's kind of how we got the feeling of each other. That's how we learned to play with each other. We've kind of toned it back on purpose um, with the records and just kind of give you the song, the meat of the song. Um, but at live shows, man, we'll go on jams. We, we do a Charlie Daniels cover, long hair country boy into some uh, almond brothers. And that's a 13 minute song that we play almost every oh, show. So dude. we take me on a journey for sure. Dude, that, that just makes me want to go right now. Like you hear like the slow, steady pace of CDB doing the, the, preacher man one or the poor man yeah. wants to marry and a rich man wants, and then you just go into an almond brothers just but here's the deal about charlie daniels from what i've learned i'm from the western united states lake tahoe reno nevada area the music that we're talking about a lot of the music now you got the sunset strip in hollywood but a lot of the badass music comes from that that area that you guys are from there's a lot of states in the south and southeast that are are known and especially for southern rock obviously with skinner and almond but it is it safe to say that Greg Allman is the king of Southern rock? He is the inventor of Southern rock. What, what is Allman brothers and why is he labeled that is, is that, you know, is, I've heard that said before, like they were the Southern rock band. Is that true? Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. Them and Skinner were, but I think the, uh, I think what the, they say considered as the start of Southern rock was actually when uh, Dwayne Allman played uh, Hey Jude with, um, Oh, who was it? Oh, Wilson Pickett when they did it in uh, Muscle Shoals and he did uh, some guitar licks. And that's so that's what they say spun and started all the Southern rock movement. But yeah, I mean, Greg Allman and the Allman Brothers, those are, you know, Skinner to Allman Brothers. Allman Brothers, one of our favorite bands. And that's definitely Richard, you know, our guitar player's uh, favorite band for sure. But yeah, that that's the the pinnacle of Southern rock, yes. I talked with an artist yesterday, Daniel. His name's his name is Travis Denning. He's a he's from Georgia. He's got a, he just had his first number one with a, a song called um, "After a Few." Um, guitar slinging fool, right? He made a comment yesterday, and I'm going into what you guys just said about this 13 minute cover. You do. He made a, a comment said, it "Doesn't matter who writes a song." The, the songwriter doesn't own them. The songs are owned by the people. That's that's really what the song is you guys have a lot of originals. Why do you play 
a 13 minute song for an audience that could go find that on YouTube, you know, of, of, of Charlie doing long hair and you could find Almond doing their song. Why does a band like the Vagabonds or a Zach Brown band, why do you guys, is it to pay tribute and homage and to show respect to your influence? Is it to pass the time? Is it to show your music, musical skills? What is the main reason a, 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 a band that has so many originals and so much talent to do their own stuff would, would choose to do that, Daniel? Uh, I think it's the familiarity of the song. First off, you know, when you go to a show, we're much, we're a lot like Zach Brown band. Um, we have great musicianship. Um, like you said, we, <laughs> I don't know. We, if you go and listen to our version of long hair country boy, we recorded it and put it out in 2017. It's way, way different. We took it and did our own spin on it. And uh, then we go into Midnight Rider by the Almond Brothers out of that jam. So it's like we want to show you, hey, this is a song that you know, that you love, that everybody loves. A great Southern rock. Both of those songs are like Southern rock um, staples. But we do them our own way. It's the Vagabonds doing Charlie Daniels. And it's a it's a tribute to Charlie. It's a tribute to the Almond Brothers but it's also us saying, hey, this is how we hear it. We hope you like it. And what have you ever had the chance to meet Charlie? I assume you have or anybody in the Almond Band. What was it like being around Charlie Daniels? What did you feel when you heard that he passed a couple weeks ago? What kind of person was he to the Vagabonds? Man, we, uh, we got to actually open up for Charlie um, back in 2010, was it, Danny? 2011? Well, Charlie, I think it was 2012. We opened up for Greg Allman in 2011. Yeah, and we uh, yeah, we got to open up for Charlie in uh, Alexander City, Alabama, at the Lake Martin Amphitheater, and it was a cool experience to me. We shot a DVD there, and my stepdad actually took me to uh, see him when I was 13, and I, you know, told him then I was like, "Hey, one day I'm going to open up for him, and you're going to be there." And I got, you know, we got to do it, and it was just. After the show, Bruce uh, Bruce Brown, the guitar player, came up and he said, "Hey, uh, Charlie wants to meet you guys." And we're like, "Wow, Charlie, who? you know Charlie who?" And he's like, "Charlie," and we're like, "Oh my gosh!" And I had my fiddle, and uh, we got to go on the bus and meet him. And he was hands down just one of the nicest men that you ever met. And he, you know, he was like, "Man, I thought I thought Southern Rock was dead until we heard you boys." I was like, "That's that's pretty cool." Wow, dude, what a what a freaking comment. And they I've heard it said that Charlie was Southern Rock. Like he nobody really knows that side of Charlie Daniels because of the fiddle and the devil song, really. Like that took him to where that's really what he got known as. But when you start to dissect somebody's career, like we talked about Jerry Reed yesterday, right? Like you think of Jerry mm -hmm. Reed as this actor with the funny faces and the oh, and you know, all the stuff that he did in Smokey and the Bandit. But man, like the dude is a living legend just on the guitar skills, right? Of being able to pick and being able to 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 play riffs. Charlie Daniels was like a leader in the Southern rock movement. Was he not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely was. He's one, he would be on Mount Rushmore of Southern rock. Why isn't that known? Is that known in American musical history? I, I, I'm not saying I'm a know-it-all, but I mean, I've been listening to Charlie Daniels at least since 1982, um, at least since 82. I think the first time I started listening to him was, was he, was it the urban cowboy movie? Was it Urban yeah. Cowboy that, that he got up and they did that song on the movie? 
that might have been how I discovered Charlie Daniels when they were in Gillies Blood Jamming. And um, why why doesn't anybody really know that Daniel that he should be on the Mount Rushmore of Southern Rock? I think people do know it. Um, you know, if you if you enjoy Southern Rock, and I think you have to dive deep. You know, I see your Whiskey Myers hat. It, it's like it's us and whiskey Myers and bands like us, the blackberry smoke, you know, and people love Southern rock still. I mean, before all this craziness hit with COVID, we were all selling out shows every time that we played. So, I mean, there's a huge fan base out there for Southern rock. Um, but those fans usually like to dive a little deeper and that's where you find the Allman brothers. That's where you find Charlie Daniels. That's where you find, Leonard Skinner and all this, you know? Um, so I think, I think it is known in certain circles, but as far as like worldwide, just in general music fans, maybe it's because it was, you know, back in the seventies and people only want to listen to what they want to listen to now. Yeah. I guess, I guess that my question was more of like, I just have never really in all of my life and I'm over 40 years old, I've never heard Charlie Daniels be considered until I started, you know, talking to a lot of musicians like yourself, you know, the, one of the Kings of Southern rock, it was always Skinner and Van Zant and almonds and, you know, you know, Derek, you know, the trucks and, and the guys that were down there doing their thing. Um, but to hear you say that, it just shows that what he meant to music, it's almost like, and I don't know how you guys feel about Hank Jr., but Hank Jr., like I, I, I talk with Brent Cobb a lot. He's, Brent Cobb says that Hank Jr. is like the most underrated country rock, southern rock musician of all time. If you go and break down his career and his songwriting, would you agree with that? I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a badass. <laughs> you ever seen him? He's still got that attitude. Oh yeah. Always has had it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Um, I would be more of a Charlie Daniels fan than I am a Hank Jr. fan, but to each his own. I mean, there's tons of killer Southern rock out there and that mixes in with country too. Southern rock and country to me, well, maybe not now what's considered country because you get a lot of pop country and all that. But like when they, when they first formed, I felt like Southern rock and country kind of went side by side there for a long time where a Southern rock band like Leonard Skinner could put out a country song and it'd be totally fine. People wouldn't bat an eye. Same thing with Charlie Daniels. Do you, do you, do you think that the, that the Southern rock image <clears throat> is something that is kind of a, <clears throat> like a, a delicacy for people that it's, it's only in one spot in the country and there's only like, can you name a, can you name 50 Southern rock bands? You guys are in the business. Can you name 50 Southern rock bands of all time in musical history? Is that a fair question? Like, is there 50 of them in the history of music? I think Richard probably could, but no, I mean, I, I, I definitely couldn't. Um, no, I, th I think, I think the, the image of Southern rock now, you know, that people see and stuff like that, they just think rednecks and like, you know, but I mean, if you, you know, you're drinking with your buddies around a fire and a Southern rock song comes on, you're going to, you know, you're going to know every word, but, but it definitely, I think it's gotten a, you know, 
kind of people just think it's just redneck now and stuff like that. And I, you know, we don't see it because we live it, you know, we, that's what we grew up on. So. Hey, rednecks know how to have fun, baby. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you a redneck, Daniel? I'm, I grew up in, I was born and raised in South Alabama. I don't think I have a choice. <laughs> do you like the, do you like the outdoors? Yeah, I like the outdoors. I don't get out as much as I used to when I was younger because we live in a city now and, you know, I'm seven hours away from home. But yeah, I love the outdoors. Okay, so the vagabonds, the word the vagabond, the definition, the 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 Webster dictionary definition is kind of like a wanderer, maybe a gypsy, maybe hopping couch to couch, um, maybe fake it until you make it kind of deal of like, hey, I'm going to keep going until I find my way in life kind of deal. Is this how the name comes up that you guys know that your your route in life is going to be, hey, we're going to get out on the road and we might be in a VW bus, we might be in a Sprinter van, we might be in a Prevost, but we are not going to sit idle. Did you guys know that 12 years ago going into this? Is that how the name comes up? Yeah, that was the original idea. You know, it's based off the word vagabond, which you just described. Um, we just made the little change and put an E in there to be unique. And uh, that's that has always been our MO is playing live shows and being on the road. Up until uh, March of this year, we were doing 150 shows a year for 10, 11 years. So it's like, that's what we've always done. And, um, God willing, hope, hopefully soon that'll come back. So does the road, has the road left its mark? I want to talk about the road and having this ideology of a, of a, of a, a wanderer, a traveler, a guy that can't sit still. Like Leith Lofton says in a song, he says, my favorite town to be in is the next one. You know, he's, he knows he's gone. He's already looking forward to the next, you know, the next welcome city sign. Does it ever get lonely, Daniel? Did it ever wear on you? Did it ever mess with your mind? Do some of your lyrics come from loneliness or desperation of trying to find somebody to be by you? Because do you ever get that feeling of look at all these people and their hands in the air and singing to my songs? And then all of a sudden it's just back to the hotel room and you're just Daniel again. Does that ever sit in with you guys? And does that ever, because I, in my life that, that, that has happened to me and I'm just a duck hunter. I don't get to stand up in front of 5,000 people at the time and see him sing my songs back to me my lyrics did you ever go through that and does the road still take its toll on you at all totally all the time man i mean that never goes away um I, i've been married since 2016 so before that being a single guy um it was fine it's not it wasn't as bad because you know we were uh, i would just it, I lived with the guys first off. We all lived together back then. Some of the guys still live together now, but it was like we were on the road living together and then we would come back home living together. So it's not much of a change. It was kind of like life rolled along. Then I got married and man, yeah, it's, it's tough because you have somebody, you know, it's on your side that supports what you do, but you're leaving four days a week, every week. And then we had a son in uh, July of 2018, and man, even even 
more tough at that point having them leave him so yeah and, and it comes out in the lyrics i mean we have a lot of traveling songs because that's what we do and that's where our mindset is and uh on these last two records v and then the one we have uh i don't know when the new one's coming out but we're writing for it we have you know 20 songs written for it a lot a lot of v and a lot of this new one are love songs because it's like that's what's on my mind that's what's on the heart it's like love letters to my wife and over badass music okay so brian when clint black started doing what daniel just described with his gorgeous blonde wife he went from killing time and no news to the bat, you know, some of the bass ass country songs is some sappy shit. Um, it's happened to many artists when they fall in love, it transitions from who they were as this individual to now they can't get their mind. Like Daniel's describing off of this girl or this other, if it's a female artist of a man that's back home, supporting them, helping them raise a family. So they start to write what's on the heart. Like again, a quote from Daniel, does it ever irritate you, Brian, of like, holy shit, how many love songs can we hear? Is it is the transition natural? Or do you and the other band go, dude, we need to sit down and have an intervention with Daniel because all of his lyrics are going towards this one theme? Has it been an easy transition to go from shaky hands to I love you ballads all the time, Brian? Well, I wouldn't say they're I love you ballads. I think the way Daniel writes, which is, you know, Danny's one of my favorite songwriters i mean uh, the way he describes a, a story in the in the you know the songs are incredible and it's not like if you listen to your songs it's not like oh he's talking about his wife it's it's kind of like a make your own interpretation so i mean I don't, I don't think his writing has really changed so much i think it's just evolved and i think that's great because you know we're we're getting older you know i mean that just that happens when you've played together for so long but no i, I don't think you're going to be able to listen to one of our songs and be like, yeah, he's talking about his wife or that's really a love song. I think, you know, that that's the great thing about it. You really can interpret it um, the way that you think. Now in the studio, I'll be like, Hey, sing it like this. And he'll be like, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, what is the hey, feeling? We, oh, go ahead. Sorry, bro. But we did just, I mean, and with the new, the new stuff we're putting out, it's like, we wrote this one called Juke and Jive where it's like, I'm going out partying. You know, it's like I get in that mindset of, you know, I'm going to put myself back in my 21 year old mindset where I'm going out looking for a woman. I'm going out partying. I'm, you know, so I can still tap into that. I don't necessarily, it's not like my wife is like, well, who are you writing about? Well, you know, she's not like that. So if I was to write a, you know, any kind of song where it's like, I mean, we're writing breakup songs. We're writing heartbreak songs too. So it's not all based around that, but my mindset when I sit down to write a love song and my interpretation of a love song, it, it is kind of a love letter to my wife, but, um, a lot of our, <laughs> a lot of our love songs, just, they're not ballads. They're like, they're, funky grooving songs and that that's where it comes in where Richard or Bo will have the music lined up where they come in they're like here check this out I got this badass guitar riff or I got this cool uh, piano riff and I'm like all right well that's cool I got a love song and we'll just mix the two 
And that's where our style comes from. Mixing all different influences and mindsets. One of the mindsets of music in the, in the, there was a movie called dirt that came out on Netflix two years ago or something on Motley Crue sunset strip movie. Um, Axl Rose wrote a song one time in the early days of GNR in like 85 called reckless life. That was on one of the B sides of the lies album. Um, have you guys ever felt like you needed to be saved as far as meeting your fiance before you married her? Daniel Bryan, have you ever, does this lifestyle ever get reckless? Our, the rock star lifestyle, the, the, the backstage, there's a song, there's a lyric in a whiskey Myers song about what really happens backstage and what those, what they are. He describes those people with the word that I'm not going to say, but they, they actually talk about um, what that lifestyle can do, how reckless it can become. Is there ever a feeling like, man, I got to pump the brakes. I got to get healthy. I have to get saved. And I'm not talking, I'm not going to go into religion. I know that you guys are there. I don't, I don't ever step on anything religion wise, but do you ever feel that as a rock band, as being out on the road, 150 shows a year of people bouncing up and down, potential mosh pits, people singing your songs back to you, meet and greets, after parties, red carpets, buses, party, whatever it is. Did you ever feel like, man, I got to pump the brakes. I can't keep this up. This, I cannot keep this pace up. Uh, I think, I think that comes more. Well, you know, we've, like I said, we've been playing together for almost 12 years. The, the, you know, the partying thing where, you know, we still like to drink and stuff like that, but it's not, you know, it's nothing like we were, when we were 21 playing parties. I think the worst thing for us is just eating, you know what I mean? Like eating on the road. Like you just got to grab something real quick. Like, you know, stop and grab something. Let's get to the next town. But as far as like the drinking and drugs, like, nah, it's, it's, that's never been an issue for us. Now nah, it's not, like I said, we like to have our beers and stuff like that, but that's pretty much it. What about you, Daniel? Did you, did, is, did this meeting this, tell me about it. Was, was this a, uh, an industry thing? Was this a, a sweetheart and high, high school sweetheart? Was it a hometown girl that you ran into? How does it happen? How does somebody settle down a rock star that's doing 150 shows a year? That's the lead singer. I mean, you're talking David Lee Roth. You're talking Robert Plant. You're talking, you're talking Almond. You're talking Zip Van Zandt. You're talking guys that are like are the face right now. That's not taking anything away from the rest of the band. I'm just saying you're the lead singer. How does a girl like settle you down and how do you make it work? Because a lot of lead singers and, and, and their spouses have not made it work. How do you make it work? What's the secret? Yeah. Going back to, uh, 2014, um, we, we had our original six members when we formed in 20 or 2009 and in 2014, two of the original members dropped out. And so we took, a hiatus because we had to, we had to find Bo, our new keyboard player, but we didn't know how long that was going to take. So up until then, man, I kind of was, um, feeling like I needed to slow down. I felt like I was doing too much, not necessarily a lot of drugs or anything, but just like we were, I was drinking and I was staying out and I was doing crazy shit. I mean, we were going to Europe. We, we had been to Europe two times at that point and our second time in Europe. I mean, I enjoyed Europe. It was like every night I'm staying out till the break of dawn and then barely making it back to the bus. Brian can tell you, I mean, there's two or three times 
they were standing outside and wondering if I was going to make it back to the bus to leave to the next city. And I came back. And so that was in 2013 at the beginning of 2014, the guys dropped out and I was like a breath of fresh air to me, honestly, because I needed to slow down and I was ready for something stable in my life. And then that's when I met Emily, my wife, and we just met in Nashville through mutual friends. I'm from South, South Alabama. She's from North, uh, South Dakota. So, I mean, there should be no reason we ever meet besides in a big city like Nashville, but we just hit it off. And, um, she didn't understand at first because we were off the road and I kept on telling her, I'm like, Hey, listen, I know how it is right now. I met you and we're together every single day. Uh, but this is going to change. Like, she's like, Oh, okay. And then, and so about three months into us, uh, dating, we went on a tour for two weeks and, uh, she's like, Oh, you, you're for real. I'm like, yeah, this is <laughs> not anything. It's only two weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> we go, we go out to Europe for like six weeks at a time. So, but she was understanding. It took a lot of like, you know, trust, man. I mean, that's what you build every relationship on is trust. And it, our trust was, you know, it was put through the fire a couple of times, but I I was able to let her know that I am ready to take this step and she was ready as well. So, but yes, whenever we met, man, I was, I was ready for a change for sure. How did, how did y'all meet exactly? I like, I like to take credit for it. Oh, oh. this is a story. Oh. <laughs> matchmaker, Brian. Oh, matchmaker. Yeah. Well, we actually, we actually met one week and then, um, the next week I, I went out with Brian and a couple of his friends and I saw her out again and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay with her. You guys go ahead. And so Brian likes to think that he set us up for something. Well, well, first off, he didn't want to go out that night. And my thing was, oh, man, this could be the greatest night of your life. Are, you on, Bro- are you on Broadway? Are you in Midtown? Where are you at? We went to Mid- Midtown. That you're at Losers? No, we went to a place called Red Door. Red Door, right, yeah, right down the street from Losers. That was yeah. that was how always, that's how I always got people to do stuff. I'm like, dude, this could, they'd be like, I don't want to go. I'd be like, this could be the greatest night of your life tonight. And they're like, all right, man. But I want to get this right. Most of us, Daniel, spend our whole life dreaming of meeting a Southern Belle. You grow up, you're born and raised and grow up right in the thick of them. And you marry a chick to where when you throw water up in the sky in November, it will freeze before it hits the ground. I'm kind of confused on this whole deal, bro. Yeah, man. I don't know what it is with me, honestly. Even growing up, like I wouldn't date girls that went to the same school as me. I've I've, I just, I've always been that way. It's like I don't know. I guess I'm just wanting to go against the norm. You get you get used to them, I guess. <laughs> the I wanted something different, man, and I don't know. With Emily, it was more like she got my humor, and. Man, if you make a girl laugh and she actually thinks you're funny when you're actually not that funny. (laughs) (laughs) So has she been, Brian made a comment, like he's not necessarily writing about his wife. Has she been a big inspiration in a lot of the new, the new songs that you're writing? Yeah, I think so. Even with the stuff that, you know, is heartbreak and uh, breakup songs and going out and partying songs. I mean, I've been through all of that with her, not breaking up or anything, but 
You guys have never had a hiatus since you met her? No, no. And so, but we've had heartbreak. I mean, every, every relationship goes through heartbreak, especially if you're leaving every single week. So I know that feeling all too well, even before I met her. So I can just kind of tap into all that. And, um, yeah, she's a big inspiration. Okay. The science of it, Daniel and Brian, the science of a song, the passion of a song. I, I say this in a lot of podcasts. It's not easy. People tell me like Brent Cobb, ah, oh, buddy, you can write a song. If you, everybody can write a song. I'm like, okay, fine. That's your theory. But not everybody can write what Brent Cobb does. Like, I think he's truly special to music. I say that to everybody, Adam hood, you know, Leith Loth and these guys, they can write, they, they, your lyrics, they're just different wordsmithing. John Prine, like he, he said stuff that you're just like, wow, man, you just literally like paint, <clears throat> excuse me, painted a picture. That's my life. It's not easy. What is the science behind it? What, how does it start? Do you, do you walk in and see your wife cooking pancakes and the look on your son's eyes? And that sparks something of like, man, I'm going to go write that down and you get your iPhone out and you put an idea in it. You might revisit it later. How, how does it happen? Yeah. My iPhone has so many just thoughts in it. Like anytime somebody says something, I'll go in my phone, I'll, I'll write it down. Any, anytime I have a thought on the road or at home or whatever, I'll write it down and not necessarily sit down and try to write a song, just throw these ideas in the bucket because I try to sit down and write two or three songs a week just to do it, just to keep writing and just to write a bunch of bad songs to get to a good one. And so when I'm sitting down writing a song and I'm stuck, I'll just go to this bank of different ideas and different one-liners and draw from it. And, uh, man, writing good songs is easy and hard at the same time. Sometimes they just come out in 10 minutes. Sometimes you have to work at it for two months, three months. Uh, I keep going back to this song, Juke and Jive, but it's a great example here. Brian can attest to this. I was playing the guitar lick on this song for probably two years. And I'm like, man, I just want to write something to this. I want to write something to this. And then I, I came across, um, juke and jive, just the the phrase juke and jive. And I'm like, I like that, man. I'm going to sit down. This song wrote itself. Once I put the lyrics to the music in probably 10 minutes, after messing around with the guitar riff for two years. So sometimes it's just like do as much as you can build up a large, large bank of guitar riffs and lyrics and one liners. And when they're ready to present themselves, just be ready to write it down. So have you found any inspiration in the last 45 minutes of figuring out how to use zoom meeting a guy from Lake Tahoe talking about inspiration, um, how people are communicating today. Like what is a friendship today? What is a relationship? Could we become fast friends when we see each other in Nashville and maybe when the COVID's over and we shake, maybe we give a man hug and say, what's up, bro. We feel like we've known each other because of a face to face. Do you get inspiration that easy? Could I say, Hey, I want you to go write a song about today's podcast, like a, like a school assignment and you could do it or it, it can't happen that way to where you can just get kind of contracted out or put on the spot. Like I'm asking you to do right now. 
No, I could do it. I could do it now because, like I say, in 2014, when all that stuff went down, man, I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, all right, it's time to for real get serious or quit. Like, it's time to work on the craft. And so I committed myself to, excuse me, writing every day. And so at this point, that's what, six years of trying to write something every day. So if you were to ask me to go write about whatever, about ducks, about duck hunting, I could probably go write you a song. It might not be the best song in the world, but I could go write some verses and choruses for you. Without being tacky and like, ah, oh, the ducks are over the day. Like I've read, I want, if I wanted a real passionate, like clever, witty song, you could go do it. Yeah. Okay. You're commissioned. Okay. You're commissioned. All right. <laughs> no, but speaking of the, the writing, you know, you need to send it to. All right. I'll text you. I'll get your number from Brian and text you today. Okay, right. uh, you were talking about like the situation at the time and stuff like that. Like, uh, I, I think the, one of the last times we were on the road and I, like, I'll, I'll come up with stuff, you know, all the time and I'll send him lyrics or something. And like he was talking to his, uh, you know, his wife, they were FaceTime. And I was like, you know, something about being on the road. And I talked to my wife through a telephone screen. He was like, I, you know, I like that. I, I think that, you know, I think the situation we're in, I think you're either, I think you're going to hear a lot of sad music coming out of this. And that's why I think we're trying to like, write Like upbeat and, you know, kind of happier songs because a lot of people, I think you're going to hear a lot of like sad songs come out of this time right now. But as far as, you know, I think there's going to be inspiration from this, this stuff, but hopefully it's not all going to be sad, you know? Brian, when I was a kid, I would watch Friday night videos and then MTV, you know, that was, I was alive when MTV exploded. I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm 45. So I'm not afraid to say that because I feel I've grown up in an awesome time. I got to see what really rock and roll videos were. I remember sitting up and waiting for Friday night videos to come on before we had, you know, MTV on cable. And you would get to see We're Not Gonna Take It, Twisted Sister, followed by Come On, Feel the Noise with Kevin DeBrow ripping your face off with Quiet Riot. And then Rat would come on and Stephen Piercy would light you up with Round and Round. And I was just like, man, this is freaking music. My first concert was in 1986. I watched Twisted Sister open up for Iron Maiden. My dad let me sit through all of Twisted Sister's set. I'm 10 years old. And... D. Snyder didn't cuss a lot on his records, like on the Stay Hungry album stuff. He gets every other words, the F word, live. And I'm like, what the heck? So my dad's like, all right, this is touching. And then Bruce Dickerson comes out and Eddie and the 666 and the number of the B songs playing. And my dad's like, we're out of here. So he yanks me out of the concert. But my, I'm going somewhere with this, Brian, is that, man, I was always like A.J. Pirro just beating the, sti- the skins for for Twisted Sister and Bonham and 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 and. Alex Van Halen and Matt Sorum of Guns N' Roses. And, you know, there's so in the, the, I can't, the guy's name is escaping me right now, but Dave Matthews going back to him and his drummer, um, Carter. Carter. Yeah. Like drumming has always been my game. Like if I was going to be a rock star or in a cover band, I want to be the drummer. I think it's the baddest ass thing to be able to just do that. And like without even all the showy stuff of twirling the sticks and flipping them up and, but Tommy Lee coming out over an audience and flipping upside down on the theater of pain tour and just ripping the skins upside down over the audience. Like drumming is awesome. Now I want to go to Daniel next about his swagger and where he gets his swagger. Was it the bell bottoms of Robert plant and how he did, was it Freddie Mercury? One of the best front men of all time. Axl Rose is hands down the best front man of all time, in my opinion, but I want to go to, 
Daniel after this of where he gets his swagger. But where do you start? How do you get good at the drums? Is it a God-given talent? Can it be learned? Because I swear how many, I don't know how many lessons I've taken and I can't really get it. Is it because I don't have good eye hand coordination? Because I can whip some ass at ping pong, at least in my opinion, I can't. But what is it about what, 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 what can you do to become a good drummer and how did you get into it and who were your influences? Uh, actually, my brother, okay, so my dad was a drummer for about 30-something years, uh, and then my brother kind of learned from him, uh, and no, it, it's not something, you, like, you got to practice at it. I remember him getting so frustrated with me uh, because I just, I couldn't figure out, you know, how to do it, and then he went to college to where I could sit down by myself and really just kind of play um, and really learn, but, like, inspiration to me, my, my dad was really inspiration. I wanted to you know, cause he was, he was pretty deep in the music industry and, you know, he had toured, but the thing I, I was like, I want to do more than him. I want to be, I want to be better at it than him. And I feel like I did. And, and you know, it, it, one of the coolest things happened probably about a week and a half ago, I actually just got sponsored um, by a drum company called drum pickers. And uh, it just like, like, you know, up to this point, I've, I've, you know, I've always, just tried my best to be a solid drummer because I know those drummers that you're talking about. I, I realized from an early age, I'm not going to be a Carter Beaufort, you know, stuff like that. Like drummers that I idolize now are like Levon and, you know, Ringo and all these people that were just in the pocket solid, you know, the type of music we played, I don't have to do all the, you know, flashy stuff. And, and I just, I try to be a, just as solid as I can. You know what I mean? Oh, I know a hundred percent, but it's, it's such an important part of even like when you, when you see what Daniel does without you, Daniel's going to have a hard time finding his get up and go his juke and jive per se, or his rhythm. Like, where is he going to get that? A lot of that comes a lot of the, the entire flow of a band is that is probably the percussion. So like you are in a very important spot. Um, is it pressure or is it just second nature now to where you get on stage and nothing can, nothing can shake you at all? No, I, I, you know, I, I still have nerves here and there. I'm just like, what I think the whole time is just, please don't mess this up. But, you know, I've got, I've got some great musicians around me. I mean, Richard's probably one of the best guitar players I've ever played with. Cooper's incredible, you know, and then Daniel, I mean, with the, the, the lyrics and stuff like that, like, I don't have, like, I don't have pressure because I know they're going to kill it. So all I have to do is just not mess up, you know, just don't mess this song up. I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think that I'd be, I, I would feel the pressure. I would think I would as, because you're, it's a big deal. Daniel, is that fair to say that the percussion and what it does for you to get your feeling that swagger, I want to go to your swagger now. Um, is it hard to have swagger on stage? You're almost like turning into this character up there. Does the music move you? Is that what controls you the whole time? You know, they're, they're Freddie Mercury had his style and I've mentioned some front men that I really loved how do you find that swagger? How do you make it your own? Yeah, I've kind of changed mine over the years. When we first started, uh, I used to wear sunglasses on stage and I wasn't playing guitar. I was only a lead singer because we had two guitars. Um, and I would, I'd put the shades on and dance around the stage. And I think my original, uh, influence was Mick Jagger because his movements and everything are never 
Well, I won't say they're not coordinated because he practices like that. I mean, he practices his every move. So I won't say it's not coordinated, but it's just like they're his own. They're original. And so I always wanted to be original with the way I moved on stage. And you can go back and look at videos of us. And I was just bouncing around the stage and everything. And then uh, once I started playing guitar, obviously I didn't want to do that. I kind of just wanted to evolve into something else. And um, now it's more like, yeah, you do feed off of the, the, the rest of the band. I feed off Brian a lot, the drums, the beat, even with the way that I sing, uh, it's very cadence oriented, And, uh, that's a lot of back and forth with Brian. Um, but now as far as performance, I try to use the guitar as a prop, um, to make it more show. I've always been a big, like, I want to watch people who entertain me, not people that just stand there and play their, uh, instrument. That's fine. If you want to do that, I don't care if you're good, but I always like the entertainment factor of going to see somebody live. So I always try to bring that to the stage whenever we play and like move around and just interact with the crowds, you know, talk back to the crowd, smile at the crowd. A smile goes a long way. Um, and just use the guitar, man. I, I, Bruce Springsteen said, uh, whenever he first started playing guitar the first day <clears throat> he went out in the backyard and he couldn't play a lick. He was a young kid and he just went out in his backyard, gathered all the neighborhood kids together and just started banging on, on the guitar and, you know, and just singing. He wasn't playing anything. He was just banging on it. But then he would do that pose with the guitar and he goes, man, that's the shit. They went wild. And I mean, it's kind of true. It's like if you can use the guitar to your advantage and kind of give them a show, that's where I am, as well as trying to play the right chords and be in time. But for the showman aspect of it, yeah, is Mick Jagger and uh, Robert Plant, because I always wanted to sing like Robert, but that's never going to happen. Do you think Axl Rose <laughs> is good? Yeah, but I was never into that kind of... Uh, rock like the hair metal stuff oh don't even go there daniel don't ever say that guns and roses is a hair metal band they are completely <laughs> different um, like uh like the rock and roll the the 80s rock Sunset so Strip. Now, they were so far ahead of their time daniel me and you are going to have to have a beer in nashville and talk about this I won't, I won't call them. I'll, I'll back, I'll back that up i won't call them hair metal um i can't believe you just compared them to poison <laughs> I'm just not a big 80s rock fan. Oh, God. Please go sit down today and listen to every song on Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. If you don't want to listen to Appetite, listen to the stuff that came out in 91, 92, and just listen to the lyrics of Locomotive and the jamming and Coma and Breakdown and just listen to the cleverness of it. Okay, that's it. I'm off my high horse, my box, soapbox about Guns N' Roses. Now, you made a comment earlier, Daniel. 150 <laughs> shows a year before COVID, you're selling them out like crazy. You're making a living being a rock and roll, southern rock, country blues, badass band. Are you happy with where you're at? Or do you watch a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody and see Wembley Stadium full, full up? 
Do you see what guys like Garth Brooks does on his level of selling out 14 nights in a row in one stadium? Do you strive for this? Are you happy where the Vegabonds are right now? Are there plans to keep growing? And how in 2020 with streaming and no record sales and everything's based on merch sales and ticket sales and touring, and that's really how you make your income in music now. How do you get bigger if you want to, and do you even want to? Yeah, we always want to get bigger. Um, I think a lot of the inspiration comes with people who are the next level ahead of us that kind of pushes us. You look at your whiskey Myers, you look at your uh, blackberry smoke and we play shows with these guys every year. And they're just like that next level where, where we're at like thousand cap rooms, 500,000 cap rooms. They're at the 5,000 cap rooms, you know? And so we go and play these shows with them and it's, 3000 people out in the crowd, as opposed to the 500 to 700 we're seeing every night. And you want that next level. You want the, you know, yeah, we want it. I want it. I want to have a number one record. I mean, I feel like I put the time in every day, like I'm saying with the writing of the music and just thinking about it all the time. And I, I set goals for myself and we have goals as the band and I do want a number one song. I do want a number one record. Do I care if we're selling out stadiums right now? I'm not really thinking about that. I'm always just thinking about the next level and then conquering that level and leveling up from there. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing that's great about like whiskey Myers and blackberry smoke and bands like that is they've, they've literally gone out there and got it. You know, it's not, it, it wasn't commercial success. It was, they got every fan they got because they went out there, they killed shows and they did it. I feel like that's kind of, you know, the Allman Brothers, they were the same way. And I feel like that's us. We, you know, we go out and we're going to gain every fan because we want to build a career off of this, not just an overnight success that just goes away. And I feel like we've put the time in now that we're, you know, we are selling out these rooms and we're doing stuff like that to where now we have, great fan base that we're starting to build a career. And I, that's, you know, I mean, you look at whiskey Meyer shows and blackberry smoke. And like I said, it wasn't because of the radio or, you know, they had some one, you know, single that just hit. It just, they put on great shows and out there touring and killing it, putting out music. And that's, that's how we're doing it as well. Unapologetic, awesome lyrics, consistency right i mean cody can and those guys they're like you guys they are tearing up the highway before covid their numbers continue to double in towns from bozeman montana to fort lauderdale florida they see growth they keep on it they just stay on that accelerator they're trying to put out clever songs that people can relate to from a hunter like i can relate to my first travel was a 243 and then you got songs that the military relates to with freaking i think one of the coolest songs ever i mean the frogman song gets me so fired up but that's what they did and that's that's you guys are right there as far as selling out and getting you know getting ready to take that that next rung on the ladder because when when daniel just made that comment about having a number one hit a number one song where is it number one is it billboard daniel is it is it is it the independent charts is it the uh is it country radio because i don't believe whiskey myers has ever had a number one have they and they're growing like crazy uh, they had a number one, when their record came out, their last one, it was, it was on, it topped the charts. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm talking about like, uh, the country charts or, uh, Americana charts, 
that like I want to see our record debut at number one or have a number one song. Now I think uh, back in the day, I think Shaky Hands did something on some chart. Uh, yeah. long- Shaky Hands went to number one on an independent chart when we put it out. Well, you should re-release it because it's the baddest ass song around right now, in my opinion. I'm listening to it every day. I've said that before. Why don't you re-release it and let's push it to number one? The world needs to hear that more right now. Not just the Vagabond cult following, not just the Whiskey Myers cult following. When when we with, with what our platform is, I see hunters and barbecue chefs now man i'll go to a traeger event and they'll have their deemer box or whatever bluetooth apparatus they choose to use with their phone and they will be rocking brent cobb and whiskey myers and adam hood and these 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 we've been trying to push this on our show for like nine or ten years now of going to bands and saying look we want to have your music. It, it, it's not, we're not trying to get every band. We want to work with the ones that we believe in. And I just want to be a part of being able to say, man, the Vagabonds are awesome. Not that, man, I discovered the Vagabonds. You know, those kind of people like, man, I just discovered this band. No, I really didn't. I just was lucky enough to be introduced to you through a mutual friend named Paul McDonald, who is an absolute genius, badass, in my opinion, absolutely tears a crowd out of their seats when he plays. And he goes, you need to meet these guys. And that's how we get on this. And then I start really digging into your lyrics and your showmanship and everything. And I'm like, this is badass music. The world needs to hear this. That's my whole deal guys is that I'm not here trying to say, Oh, we just want to use your music. I just think the world deserves to hear it. That's what we need to hear something besides cubicle country. That's coming through the airwaves every day on pop country radio. And people like Brent Cobb again will say country music's going to do what country music's going to do. And I'm like, no, I don't want another song about a hot chick on a tailgate dancing around a bonfire. I want real, I want something that's reachable that I can relate to. And that's what the vagabonds are. So man, release shaky hands again. Let's get it out there to the masses. I'm not telling you what, to do daniel because you're looking at me like listen to this son of a bitch trying to tell me out of about the music business i'm just simply saying that there is a huge audience out there that we talk to that's like dude where's this music from i could hold up message after message in my phone to you that comes in on dms and stuff of like where do i get this song where do i get that song who's that band because they've never heard it and then they watch our duck hunting show and we're in alberta canada and whisk I'll, I'll eddie eddie the manager of whiskey's like dude the way you use that song and Cody's like, I love that because it shows like what they're, what they, what they're, this audience loves. And now they're hearing this song wrapped around and it works. So I'm just saying like the world deserves to hear the Vagabonds music to go from three to five, 700 room seats or seat rooms to the bigger four or 5,000 seat theaters and stuff. I'm, I'm here to help if there's any way that I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually teamed up with a, a little, YouTube channel, not a little YouTube channel, but, uh, they're called mountain state overland. And so they take their overland trucks out on tours and they take people out and they do these awesome videos and they've been using our music for the past three years. And we've got so many fans from that because the music does flow so well with these outdoor shows. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great idea to pair with different hunting shows and outdoors. Um, because our music is kind of laid back and then we also have our rockers. So you need to get that stuff on Yellowstone, man. You need to call Kevin Costner yeah, and say, look, bro. I know. Do you know I about this? Well, I just heard a rumor that one of the guys, uh, that I work with consistently, I won't say the names cause I don't want to put it out there, but I just heard a rumor that, um, two of the artists that have been on the podcast are being talked to about 
the new season or the new the new next episodes of being on there. I, Hayes Carl was just on there, which I love listening to Hayes and Whiskey's been on there a bunch. But yeah, I just heard that two more artists are on there. I mean, I don't think it's inconceivable with the way your guys' music is. I think it would track awesome on a show like that. Yeah, especially, especially like a uh, uh, traveling man or freaking even dude. I keep going to shaky hands because that song. So, like, dude, your allergies are not that bad, bro. You sound fine. You don't look puffy or or stuffed up at all, Daniel. I'm not buying this eight hour gig yesterday. The audience has to hear how freaking good this music is. Will you just like grab a guitar? You don't even have to plug in, bro. Look at I'm begging. You got a you, you know got what? a grown man begging. You, you know got a what? grown man begging. I like you. I like you. I like you. <laughs> I'll, I'll go grab my guitar real quick. Give me you a second. See, you the man. You hear that, Brian? He said he liked me. Yeah. <laughs> he don't like a lot of people. He don't even like me halftime. So. <laughs> no, uh, man, it, we appreciate you having us on, man. But, yeah, it, it's just – it's been great, man. We uh, – and getting to play with these guys, man, every night and just recording me, It's it's been a – you know, true blessing. I'm just really thankful, man. These, these guys are truly my best friends and we've just, man, we've had a good time. It's, it's been, it's been awesome. You know? Yeah. And you just want it to grow so you can keep it going all the way into like, I mean, a lot of these bands stay together for a long freaking time. There's, yeah. I mean, Charlie Daniels was playing all the way up until he passed. I mean, I just seen him last year, the year before in Dallas at the NRA convention and he was ripping the fiddle. Ripping oh man, it. he's he's still. I mean, he's even he was even great at guitar. Like I remember uh, when we played with him. Like you know, he he pulled out guitar a lot, but you know, I mean, still at his age, man, he was still just rocking. You know, I mean, it's crazy, man. I mean, some of these, you know, some of these musicians, Mick Jagger, we saw the the Stones and Nashville, and still seventy years old. Just it's crazy. I mean, but also you know they've been famous since they were like. Who opened kids. that? Who opened that night at Bridgestone, or was it at the football stadium? It was, it was at the football stadium. It was uh, Brad Paisley. And my, my favorite part of the whole show is they he brought out uh, Joe Walsh to do uh, uh, I Go to Parties. Uh, yeah. Life's Been Good. Life's Been Good. And, uh, and Brad, they get done with that song, and he's like, thank you to Joe Walsh. And they go to the mud, mud on the tires, and Joe Walsh the whole time is just solo. And, you know, he was like, I think he was supposed to leave, but the whole time he's just solo over and over mud on the tires, which was just fantastic. Yeah, it was too- hilarious. Two years ago, I saw Zach Brown open for the Eagles in in San Francisco at the baseball park, yeah. and and Joe Walsh freaking it was Vince Gill was doing was play, replacing Glenn Fry and he's amazing, but then yeah. uh, but Joe Walsh man he did that song right there and like he he's just I don't know if he can even speak but when he sings it's okay but I don't know if he can really talk too clear anymore. I but couldn't. He's like, under- I'm born, man, you, you can't under but when he sings it's like so talented man so talented. Oh, yeah. Did Whiskey open a show for them on that tour, on the Stones? I think they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, because they, they were telling us about it when we played with them last time, about how it was just – it was crazy just, you know, it's like it's Mick Jagger and, you know, all these – you know, but, yeah, they, they said it was just a fantastic time. And I think that, that – did Whiskey open a show for GNR, too, on the – a couple years ago? I know that- – I know – I know Sturgill did one night, but I don't know if Whiskey did. I thought they may have. What guitar do you have, Daniel? Yeah, my Martin. Is that really, is that what you, is that your go-to? It's my go-to. Look at all this. Stains, sweat stains. It's starting to look like Willie's, dude. I know, man. That's what I'm going for. You're going to punch a hole in it. 
Yeah. So do you, let's talk about this song for a second. Do you remember writing it? Shaky yeah. hands. Yeah. We Give were still me. in Auburn. Um, so we all met at Auburn University when we were in school. I was graduated. I think I was the only one graduated at the time. But um, so we out and the guys, I, Brian, did you still live at the house then? Yeah, I was, I was living at the house. So there's Brian and Alex, our other guitar player, were living together. And I was just over at their house almost every day when we first started. And we were writing music, me and Alex. And uh, he came up with this this riff, which is the riff of uh, Shecky Hands. And then, so we were writing on the lyrics and everything. And then Richard was walking home from school one day and heard us playing it. And he came in and they started playing the guitar riffs back and forth together and just making it work seamlessly. And man, it, we knew from the get go, this was going to be a good one. And you, we didn't know how good or how far it would reach, but I mean, we're talking 11 years later and we play it every single show still. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the recording of it was pretty, pretty kind of, you know, funny too. We, uh, we actually recorded with a guy named Mike Anderson and, uh, Daniel Scobie, which Mike Anderson, Anderson East, if you hadn't heard his stuff, check it out. It's great. Uh, they, they both recorded it. And we, I think this was one of the last uh, songs we were doing that night. And uh, Dan and Mike, were, they were like, Hey man, let's take a break. Let's, let's get, you know, let's go hang out for a little while, drink some beers. And then we go back in and I remember, you know, Rick, or Alex started the lick and Dan starts going in and Mike was like, Hey, stop, stop. He's like, if the rest of the song's like this, it's going to be a hit. We were like, all right. So that that take was actually done at like I think midnight. We were like, we were like, we're gonna do one more take, and we, and you know, it hit it. So that's the one that you have on the album, and it was still one of my favorites too. It's got to be yeah. both of your all time favorite. I mean, it, I, it just does something. I mean, there, a lot of your songs do. Don't I mean? I love Georgia Fire. I mean, I've been rocking that song a bunch. I, I listen to the. Ent- every song there is but there's just something when that one comes on that i have to it's that morning song that gets me going it's the afternoon song that you can just jive to and i think that that's a uh you know what one of the i guess it would be your cornerstone or your standard of what you guys might be known for is it a crowd favorite when it's live do you, is it is it one that your crowd is begging for every night like daniel said did not begging but you know they, they're expecting to hear oh yeah that that's you know that's that's kind of become our free bird because we'll be in the middle of the show and people Georgia Fire, you know, and it just it became one of our most popular songs. We actually made a hot sauce named after uh, the song, and uh, so yeah, it's definitely one of our bigger songs. But yeah, it's it's you know people yell it midway through the show. So so Georgia Fire and and then Shaky Hands and what's that? What would another huge crowd favorite be live? Ooh, another one live. That was for sure. Um, probably Oh My Lord off of where we, what we're yeah where we, where we used to go is another one you still thinking Brian yeah I'm still th- I'm, I'm trying to you know I mean you know you've we've got almost 50 something songs you know and a lot of I people mean, like our cover of uh, Long Hair Country Boy they kind of expect uh, that one too 
All right, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go and we're gonna picture the vagabonds on stage. We're gonna change up their eleven minute riff. We're gonna have a shortened one of long hair country boy into shaky hands and see if Daniel can pull it off. He just got claret in his system, flonase in his nose. Um, I don't know what Brian's drinking in the red solo cup at noon in Alabama, but I assume it's uh, orange juice and what. No, it's actually Milo's sweet tea. That's the greatest sweet tea ever. Sweet tea. Oh, that sounds good. You don't find that where I live. All right, Daniel, you're on. I can't wait to hear this. Can you do a little bit of long hair and then go into shaky? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Try to make it happen here. I don't want you to get – hey, don't get mad at me. I mean, I I live for this, man. I've been dreaming of this all night. All right, I'll do do a uh, verse and and chorus of uh, long hair. And then I'll do shaky hands for you. You the man. People say I'm no good. Crazy as alone. I get stoned every morning. I get drunk every afternoon. Kind of like my old balloonic hound. I like to lay around in the shade. I ain't got me no money, but I damn sure got it made. And I ain't asking nobody for nothing. If I can't get it on my own. If you don't like the way that I'm living, go on and leave this long-haired country boy alone. God, there's some long haired country boy for you. Oh my gosh, I love that freaking song. He, he always does that, man. He'll be like, oh, my voice is hurting, and then he just gets in there and kills it. That's kills what he does. it, kills it. But that's what he does. Like, kills I'm it. Like, yeah. I'm like, what? Well, it, usually, it's not a problem because we're on the road all the time, and like my voice just gets stronger with like day after day after day after day singing. But ever since I've been off the road for what now five months. And then I sang a lot this weekend because I played some shows in Nashville downtown. And uh, yeah, man, it's just, and allergies, dude. Allergies have been killing me this year. Me too. But there's shows going on in downtown Nashville right now? It's just like I go down and play country covers for the, uh, the tourists on Broadway just to make some extra dough while we're off the road. Gotcha. So yeah. are there bars open on Broadway right now? I heard they're all closed. There's, there are some open? There's a few open. I play down at uh, Old Red in Nashville. Oh, uh, Blake's place. Yeah. Is that? Do you it, ever play? They, do you ever? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no problem. They've been really strict about like following every single rule. They won't let you come to the bar to get a drink. Like the the servers and bartenders have to bring you drinks at tables. So. Me and Brian went over. Brian came and saw me one night when I was playing at Old Red, and then we went out on Broadway back when all the bars first opened up. And Old Red's like very sectioned off. Everybody's distancing away and getting their drinks brought to them, whatever. So we get done, and I'm like, let's just go out to Broadway and see what's going on, see if it's back to normal or what's happening. We walked across the street to Kid Rock's place, and it was like shoulder to shoulder, jam packed out. Nobody wearing a mask. It felt. It actually felt nice. It felt like okay, it's back to normal a little bit. 
a week later they got shut down and fines everywhere. Really? Yeah. No, it was uh, I think Sturgill had just done a thing at the Ryman, so that was that was kind of my joke. I was like, let's go find Sturgill. Like he might be down here. Yeah, I heard that happen at Whiskey Jam too, down at the. Uh, at- I think Ward got shut down or something because they tried to open it back up a little bit too early at winters and something happened there too. Yeah. Shaky hands. One of the baddest ass songs I've heard in a long minute. Is that what they say in the South? It's been a minute. They don't say that out here. Been a minute. minute. And that could be like two years. You see your buddy, like it's been a minute. Like out here, people be like, since what i just i mean we've been together all day what are you talking about what happened in the last minute but you know it's just i like that i've always talked about how i love the culture of the south that's why it blows me away that you that you married a girl from north dakota which is fine it's just like the southern culture of the way you talk the way you cook the way you eat the way you socialize having a little a cold beer crawfish broils uh, the fish fries everything that goes into that camaraderie down there is like I want to be a part of it. I want to be the adopted son of the South, which I have coined myself down there, and it pisses some people off. But there's another thing you could write a song about there. There you go, Daniel. You're welcome. There's two. I like that. Adopted son of the South. I mean, a guy from the West United States has been to Rome. I've been to Switzerland. I've been to South America and Argentina and Uruguay. I've been all over Canada, all over the continental United States, and my favorite place to be is the South southern part of the united states alabama northern florida georgia arkansas mississippi louisiana tennessee i mean that's the greatest place on earth in my opinion especially for what i do for duck hunting but i just love the culture down there so there you go there's i want you to get your iphone out after you sing shaky hands and let's 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 get a little uh, co-write deal on this take it number one make we'll make each other a little bit of money there you go. <laughs> all right i'll play shaky hands for you oh, i can't wait Just how to start me some buckle up and 
take you right, 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 right. Gonna take you right out of here. I said, baby, you got something I think will go good with me. I said, baby, 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 ooh, you got what I need. Walk on down this road Be alone but not afraid With fires in our bones Please Don't you let your hands shake Keep your shaky hands still. I said, baby, yeah, you got something that I think will go good with me. I said, baby, 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 baby. So baby, let me be your passion. Let me be all you need. Reach your hands out and heal me, roll me in your love, sweet lady. I'm begging you, please. Don't you let your hands shake. Dude, I honestly think that that's all you would need to get a wife is just go into any place in the world and sing that. Even if it is in Fargo, North Dakota with nine feet of snow on the ground. Dude, that song is amazing. But what year was that written? Ten? Yeah, uh, probably written at the end of nine. Yeah, released in ten. The line in there where you hit baby real hard, you got something that I think will go good with me. Like... How strong is that? Like, it's almost like you don't know what it is yet, but you know it's there and you're trying to figure out what it is and you can't wait until it presents itself. Like, she's got something and I know that it's going to mix well with what I got. Like, you just don't hear words that you don't hear it put like that. It's always like you got something that I want or you got something that that I already know what you're like and I already know that me and you are going to. That's like saying you think she's got something. But does that mean that you know what it is? I don't know. Like that's that's a cool ass lyric, man. That chemistry. You. It's what? What do you what'd you say, Bri? I said that's up to you to determine. I think that's so killer, man. God, that song just gets me every time, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, man. Like I said, I like you. And I, I want to play it for you. Dude, I'm talking I'm glad, man. I'm glad you uh 
as long as you tell everybody about it and spread the word for us, that's all I can ask. That's all I want to do, man. I, 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 I got a call yesterday from a guy that works on, he worked, he owns some places in Nashville and, um, his, his quote was this, he says, and he was, I think he was tuned up a little bit on a COVID Nashville night. And he just said, you have no effing idea how much you're helping right now. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, because I get phone calls about the, the, the reaction to people and what's being done with the downloads of the playlist. Like we have this playlist on Apple music that it, it goes nothing against publishing or anything, but we get to go on the, on our shows. I'll send you guys a clip on text today of like this week's music is boom, boom, boom. Zach Brown band, Jamie Johnson, whiskey Myers, Lee Lofton, Drake white, however many songs are in that certain episode. And then we edit the feeling of that part of the episode of our story in that different place or location to that song. Well, People are writing in nonstop, Daniel and Brian, like, where do we get this music? What song? Where do we get this music? So a guy in Nashville, a, a, a guy that probably knows you guys is in charge of our playlist. And he says, dude, my phone just like 15 a minute. It's just going off with downloads, downloads, downloads of getting our music because it's got national advertisement. But we always ask permission. Let us put your <clears throat> music on the playlist. It doesn't go against publishing because it's already on Apple Music. And um, I don't know what your publishing is. We'll discuss that off cue. But it's, it's, it's working and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it because it's consistency and it's, it's having what that song just said. Let me be your passion. I'm not saying that per, between us. I'm saying that it's being passionate about what's right and what's right in the world right now. What can get us through this? What do we need to have in our ears and in our brains and our frontal lobe to understand that everything is going to be okay. This is what music has done to me my whole life. I can't, t I came out of the womb, listened to dad pick Folsom prison blues around a fire or listen to Merle Haggard sing, I've been throwing horseshoes. These songs like still today make me, bring me to my knees. And that's what I think is so cool about the Vagabonds is that you guys are making music that consistently brings me to my knees. And 20 years from now, we'll still be doing that, not just to me when I'm in my 60s, but to the next guy that's in his 40s and the kid that's in his 20s at that time. That's what is so powerful about your guys' music. So keep doing it. Keep kicking ass. I want to help spread the word to our audience because I feel they deserve to hear the music. They don't have to, they don't, they can choose to, but they deserve to have the opportunity presented to them to, Hey, this is what needs to be going into your ears right now. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the one goal, man. We're just, I, I personally, I like the music we play. I think it's good stuff. I want people to hear it. You know, it, it's my, my parents and, and older people, they're like, man, this is the music I grew up on. Uh, it's good music. And that's, you know, I, I want our music to, you know, like you said, I want it to live on. And I appreciate you saying that it really means a lot. No, I, I really mean it. That's what it does to me. When, when Daniel was singing just now, um, you were even leaning back going, God damn, this is good. This is good. This is just so good. And I, I, I when I feel it, I just know it. I, I feel like I have a good taste of music. I'm not going to sit here and go, you, you know, I'm a music know-it-all, or you better listen to me. I'm not that guy that's going to say, you got to do this or get the hell out. I'm just saying that when I hear something that's good, when I hear Brent Cobb sing shine on rainy day and it makes me cry, I'm like, that's a song that the whole world should hear. And it's a shame that it's not on the radio five times a day, five times an hour. Like they play songs today. It's a shame that shaky hands is not in our radios every single hour on the hour. So people have an idea that, man, this is what, this is real music. It's truly real. So I'm proud to be a part of it, man. I'm glad I got to meet you guys. Yes, I am here. 
I, I really appreciate all that you've uh, said about the music. Obviously, you have dug into it, and you, you have a, an appreciation for not only our music, but also music that I dig as well. I'm a big Brent fan and uh, Whiskey Meyer. So I think we're on the same wavelength, man. It was great to meet you, Chad, and just hang out and talk. And I'm glad I was able to play a little bit for you. I'm so glad. I'm glad, I'm glad that Brian set it up to where all three of us did this. And I cannot wait for the day to either be able to bring you guys out here and do a private gig for myself or one of our partners or the day that I get to come on the road and come on a bus hang and get to sit side stage and watch you guys perform your magic. I'm it's, it's inspirational. It's influential. And I hope that bands that are at Berkeley school of music right now in Boston or somewhere, you know, getting, trying to cut their teeth will, will discover the vagabonds and, and figure out that, man, this is like, it's symbolic, dude, because the musicianship, the lyrics, it's, it's badass and it can happen. It might not happen overnight, but consistency, work ethic, vision and passion and love for what you do, it's going to happen. And that number one will come. The sold out arenas are going to come because the music's real. And I'm happy to have you guys on the show. Thank you both very much. Thanks a lot, man. So I did say that we would talk about publishing off record. Do you own any of it? And can I tell our producers that we can go out of this? We usually use a song that was written by Leith Lofton and Drake White called What's You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone to end our episodes. Can we go out with a Vagabond song that's a studio song that we can use? Yeah, you can use Shaky Hands. We own publishing and everything with that one. Oh, God dang, that just made my day. You guys are awesome. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Remember, please keep supporting the sponsors and partners that support us. Jack Daniels, thank you very much for everything you do, not just for conservation in the outdoors, but for music, because you guys have rocked music for so many years. And uh, maybe one day we can bring the Vagabonds up to Barbecue Hill in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and have them rock a show for us. That will be our goal. Get Jack Daniels behind the Vagabond music. Thank you guys for all the downloads and subscriptions. We truly appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Make sure you're taking care of your families, your loved ones, your communities. Be a good community ambassador and leader, and make sure that you're doing things behind closed doors that you would do in front of people except that one thing just make sure that you always think somebody's watching you when you're out there right now because i've been seeing a lot of weird things take place in society and i don't want it to continue so let's all start getting along and let's all start having that one common goal of love and trying to respect each other and understand that not everybody's cut from the same piece of thread and that we're all in this earth for different reasons that's what i'm trying to do as i mature into my later years in life my midterm years my 40s but that's what this podcast is about is getting to meet people like Brian and Daniel and understanding that there's so many different walks of life out there and that all of us have a story. So let's figure out how to tell that story in the right way. I appreciate you listening to my story. These guys' stories, check out the Vagabonds on anywhere you can find music, download their songs, get ready for the new album coming out soon. We'll keep you posted on all of our platforms. Tom, Jake, hit the button. This is the Vagabonds. It's called Shaky Hands. You just heard it done acoustically by Daniel. And now this is the studio. Thank you all very much. Hands.